When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All of us have different things that give us that satisfaction in work. Yeah. And so it takes time to be able to find the things you don't like so you can find the thing you do like. That's true. And so that was one thing that'd be interesting. It's like, what's the product you really, really believe in or one business, maybe pool cleaning? And actually my girlfriend's idea, she wants to do bikini pool cleaners. Like, That's Ooh. A, I know, because she likes cleaning pools. That would do well in Vegas. That would do well a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got Noah Kagan here. Noah, what you working on lately? You doing some stuff? <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about your producer. You know, great name. Yeah. You know, what's her name? It's backwards. It's backwards. You know, by Lana, the show. Uh, life is great, man. Life has been unbelievable. Kind of on a whirlwind tour right now. Um, we're in Austin. I think we we're in LA yesterday, and now we're in Vegas, hanging out with you. We've known each other online. Yeah. Then go to the Raiders game tomorrow night. Nice. And back to Austin on Friday. Are you interviewing any billionaires? I know that's a big part of your YouTube these days. Not, you know, I'm actually getting interviewed. Okay. Which is kind of interesting to be on like the flip side of, of these conversations where a lot of times it's either me on the streets doing YouTube or yeah. outside private airports uh, or sitting down with billionaires. And so it's been it's been a different experience to get interviewed. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, I, I, you know, running AppSumo.com or doing the YouTube channel or the book. Uh, it's cool to share some of my stories. Yeah, it definitely feels different. Which side do you like better? <laughs> Dude, so I was interviewing Ali Abdal. You know, he's yeah, a, yeah. I love this guy, great productivity, and I've. Um, so he interviewed me for two hours, and it, when you're getting interviewed, it's something. It's kind of a performance. Mm. You're you're on camera. You're acting. That's right? true. You're, you're sharing stories, and you want to be entertaining. You want to be educational. You want to get people to be excited and have fun. And so he interviewed me for two hours, and just like drained at, at yeah. all of it. And then I interviewed him for two hours, and I was like, oh yeah. Oh, back to back. Yeah. But Four hours. It was yeah, you know, it's part of part of uh, what we're signing up for, and it was fun. But I really enjoyed the questions. I enjoyed the curiosity. I enjoyed just learning more from him versus just necessarily sharing my own stories. Yeah, I feel like you kind of revolutionized the style on YouTube of like going to random places and interviewing people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would say bugging people that look rich in public. Like, <laughs> watch out! Like, if you're wearing the Rolex or yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting. It was just something that we noticed out of desperation on YouTube. Uh, to find something that was interesting to teach people about business and mm -hmm. inspire them, and uh, that worked. Yeah. And so I was like, let's do a lot more of these videos because all the other videos I did for the three years, two two to three years before that, wasn't working in terms of getting people excited or getting people watching the content. Wow, for two years it wasn't working. Yeah. And you stuck through that. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I, I think <laughs> one of the the things that you know I talk about in Million Dollar Weekend and in general is that I didn't have a team, I didn't have a studio, I didn't have any of these things. I just had my phone. Right. And it was just me and my, literally my 800 square foot house, like just shirtless, making a video, being like, yo, uh, I want to talk to you about what I'm doing in the pandemic, how we're running AppSumo.com and how we're, we're approaching our business because I felt good. And I did it. And I enjoyed it. I got a little bit of a response. Mm. I think I was about 300 views. Wow. And it just made me feel good. And I like the people responding. I like the attention. I like that I could help educate things I felt confident in. And it was just something I was like, all right, I'm at least going to do 100 videos. The law of 100 something that... I've quit too soon before, which we all have. I'm yeah. sure you've done things. So I was like, I'm going to just commit to this. And so committed to it and then had a goal to get 
uh, I think our, our goal was 250,000 subs on our second year because it started things kind of worked, but it wasn't like amazing. Mm-hmm. And we had about a month left with uh, at 170,000. Wow. And I was putting out three videos a week for 50 weeks. Jeez. And these these are, you know, I mean, we definitely, you know, people, over time, you, you kind of keep improving. Yeah. You get like a little better camera. Mr. Beast always does yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. You keep getting, and there's definitely really interesting things about how we did that. Uh, but basically, we had like a month left and we were desperate and was like, why don't we just try a crazier video instead of me sitting at a desk talking about how we run AppSumo or how I worked at Facebook or mm-hmm. how we do our marketing. And that's where it was like, I've always seen these rich houses. Yeah. What if we just knocked on their doors and asked them what they did for a living? <laughs> and it was it, it, Isaac, the videographer who's here in the background. It was it was pretty intense. It's pretty intense. Like you're going up to someone's door, right? And you're just like, I really like your house. What do you do for a living? Yeah. And like, Who the are you? You got a lot of denials. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and and that was actually part of the interesting. I think with some of the content is people really enjoyed my rejections. Mm. Like people were just not like the Jordan Freud, which yeah. is where you get excited when people are failing. Oh, you like, added those in the video? Yeah, the video was like me getting rejected, the behind the scenes of driving to houses. But it was just different content that I think a lot of people have always asked that question, like, what did that person do for a living? Right. And now we can ask them and you realize that you can ask a lot more people. Anyone can. I didn't right. have it's a numbers game, right? It was. It was like, can I get enough houses? We do call it rejection goals. Yeah. Can I hit up enough houses where eventually a few like one guy did pickleball? He was a hedge fund manager and I had pickleball. Uh, one guy was a director of finance. Mm. One person did mobile RV parks. And so it was, was kind of interesting. And it was also realizing when you did this in these videos, there's a lot of ways of getting rich too. Yeah. And, uh, but I will say at my house, I have a pretty nice house in a good neighborhood on Austin. I'm like paranoid of people coming to my door. Yeah. You haven't done <laughs> like, your, uh... like even my like girlfriend's coming home. I'm like through the blinds. <laughs> I'm like, who there? You, know. you haven't done your own neighborhood? I've, oh, definitely do my neighborhood. Oh, I, okay. I just go to the houses I've been curious about. Yeah. Uh, one guy was like a VP of, at a tech company. He he didn't really want to come on camera, and I was like, I don't okay. blame you. So there are some corporate people really in it. Yeah, I mean, I, you can get rich in a day job. It was crazy. My day job coming out of school was at Intel. Right. Sucked so bad. Really? I hated this. No. I think Intel's doing okay, and it's like this big company. And my parents wanted me to have a day job. They're like, oh, I love Intel. Are, like we know this company, dun 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 dun. You know that sound <laughs> yeah. from back in the day. They were just so proud of that, and I was living at my mom's house, and I just hated every day. Mm. I dreaded the cubicle job. I dreaded the desk life. I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur. What was fascinating though is I did an analysis, and I was like, if I just stayed at Intel, and my first salary was fifty-five k. Yeah. I was like, if I just stayed here, most of my career, I would have actually made more money. Really? Yeah. This is kind of crazy. So if I would have just stayed at Intel for ten years, probably give or take, maybe get a million dollars or something like that. But because I got to entrepreneurship, starting businesses, failing, trying all this stuff, in my last two years of entrepreneurship, in the past, if you have the equal 10 years, I started making millions of, millions of dollars a year. Right. But that was really only in the last two years. Wow. So it's kind of interesting how uh, you can get rich in a day job, but I just didn't want to get rich doing something I didn't like. Interesting. So for your first 10 years of entrepreneurship, you weren't really making that much. No, no. I did. Um, and I never started a business like just cold. I always had a day job and I would start it at nights or weekends. Right. So... First, most of the years, like first year is like zero dollars, right? Because I want to invest it back in the business. So I had a company, uh, Kickflip Games. Kickflip Games. I just games. thought it would be cool to call a company Kickflip. It was basically making Facebook games. Okay, like, I used to play those. Yeah, Mafia yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a few games. Farmville games. Yeah, Farmville. All that kind of so that was us. Oh, that was you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we, I created them at night. I was working at Mint.com, created one. It was a hockey game. Mm-hmm. It was just like you put your hockey logo on your profile, just it. Yeah. But people liked it. And uh, I put an Amazon affiliate link. Mm-hmm. So you ha- you click on the, the team and it would take you to Amazon. You could buy the team gear. So that worked. And then I launched all the sports. Mm. And um, 
I think my first year I paid myself forty thousand dollars. Okay, which is okay. Uh, but basically, it was like forty, forty, seventy-five. Then we made we we made like two hundred because it kept getting bigger. But then I uh, Facebook banned us. Oh, they banned you. Yeah, they banned us, and then our competitors sued us, which Why? was actually a great day. Why? Um, details. Oh, okay, so what happened? We were uh, we be- built these games, and we made some money. It was kind of cool. It was making 40, 40, 70. Um, but then I, I moved to Argentina because my dream was to start a business that I could live abroad. Okay. And I, I wanted to go back to Thailand. Mm, I've heard good things Thailand about Thailand. Thailand was sick. I was like, I want to be on the beach, drinking, laptop. Maybe there's partying and stuff like that. There's yeah. partying for sure. No mad life stuff. Yeah, I was like, and this is years ago. And I was like, this is all my dream is. And so I quit my job at Mint when these games did well. And I met a girl that was living in Argentina. I was like, all right, let's go live in Argentina. And when I was out there, I was like drinking, learning tango, mm. eating a lot of uh, beef. They're known for their steak. And I was like, I hate making games. <laughs> I hated making games. And so, uh, and our game started failing, but that led us to do payments for games. Mm-hmm. And this has kind of been one of my things that I think I've had a lot of success with, success with in life. Like on YouTube, the YouTubers who make content do well, but what really is winning is YouTube. These platforms, right. these act sellers. The, they make the, the most. Yeah, the people who are selling the tools for the creators, the people who are creating platforms for creators. Yeah. And so it's like, I suck at making games. I hate making games. I don't play any games. But maybe I can do payments for games because that was a problem that we had and we hated. We hated our payments provider. Why? They took a lot of money. We didn't like the okay. transaction fees. Was it PayPal? No, it was... A, we had PayPal and credit card, but also like offers, like affiliate signups. Got it. So we used a company called OfferPal. And we just thought they were, we asked for features, they wouldn't do it. We thought they were taking a lot of our cut. So we're like, why don't we build it? So we built it in a weekend. Mm-hmm. We used it ourselves. And we're like, we're making a lot more money. <laughs> and so fast forward, the first year we did about 20 million. Top yeah. revenue. Yeah, because we got, I basically just called all these people. I was like, hey, do you have a game? Can you use it? We'll give you a better rate. Here's how much more money you'll make. Wow. And it was just instantly moving it over. Uh, and so in games, people could use PayPal to buy tokens or credit cards or sign up for offers. Yeah. And... Facebook said you can't have offers that had like gambling or uh, I think gambling was specifically. And so we had some gambling ads showing in the UK accidentally. Mm. And so I remember the morning I was laying in bed in San Francisco um, and I got a call from a lawyer. It's like, hey, do you have a defense attorney? I was like, why would I need an attorney? It's like, oh, well, you're getting sued. Oh, gosh. And so in the same day, OfferPal, that competitor who we were kicking the so we built our own and we started competing with them competing against them they sued us which is a really good strategy to compete if you have more money right and then that same day facebook banned us because they said hey you can't show gambling ads everyone else was doing it but for some reason they chose our company to yeah. ban us and so in that day uh went from one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day uh in in revenue to about fifteen thousand. oh my god yeah that sucked, sucked. But you, said it was, you said it was awesome though yeah because i hated i didn't like doing these payments it wasn't really cool i didn't really like the partners that i was working with and I, it's not what I really wanted to spend all day doing. Got like it, it was good to get in reps. It's good to start businesses. And I think everyone should do that. But then ultimately try to find the thing that you just get to do every day and you're making money. Doing mm. it. So you weren't passionate about it. It's nice to be passionate about making money. Yeah. Like it's easy when you're, it's nice to make money, but it's nice to make money and do the thing you really want to do. Right. Right. So whether that's creating content, whether that's being a producer, like the producer you have here, yeah. whether it, it is. And, and I remember, cause I was making these games and I hated all these people so much. I was, I was like, how do you like playing these farm games, <laughs> right? Or like bedazzled or bejeweled, whatever yeah. it's called. I just found them so boring. And I remember meeting this guy uh, in Argentina 
And he's like, I love making games. I'm like, why? This stuff sucks. These people suck. Yeah. He's like, oh, I just like because I make them happy. Hmm. And it was such an interesting kind of small moment realizing that all of us have different things that give us that satisfaction in work. Yeah. And so it takes time to be able to find the things you don't like so you can find the thing you do like. That's true. It took me seven years. Yeah. You know, I, like my first seven years of business, just to be honest, I was after it for money. I feel like a lot of people are like that, too. Yeah, and then one, once I found podcasting, I was like, "Wow, I actually feel good about making money now. Like, it's not just about me; I'm helping other people." How did that change? Is it once? I think there's a success bias I'm thinking about, where like once you have the money, it's easy to say that. That's true. <laughs> I did have a safety net, so that could play a role. But just in general, like when I do the podcast, I feel good about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting to notice the things you do. You're like, dude, I feel awesome. Yeah. Right. Like one of my favorite things lately is like, what do you have on your calendar that's exciting? Like, put it on the calendar and think about with work. Like, is there anything in your day, whether you have a day job or you want to do a side hustle or when you, you want to make million-dollar businesses, like, what's the thing on your calendar you're looking forward to? And for me, coming on shows is fun. Like, before this, I was outside in the car, and I was like, okay, you know, it's been a long day. But I'm in here, I'm like, okay, I'm jazzed. Yeah. So I think for everyone, just like, what's on the calendar that we're looking forward to? That's true, yeah. Is there a lot on yours that you look forward to these days? There's less on my calendar. So that And the things I have are the things I look forward to. So. Okay. Being a CEO and being really an entrepreneur, you have more control, yeah. which is awesome. And so I don't do anything before 12. Before 12. Before 12. So oh, I know meetings, 12. like one of the things is like, I like not waking up to an alarm clock. Mm -hmm. So at AppSumo.com, there's no meetings for me before 12. Nice. Which is awesome. And then a lot of the meetings, it's like, am I adding anything in this meeting? Do mm -hmm. I have to be in this meeting? And so a lot of my days are like doing shows like this, yeah. uh, working on the book, sometimes making YouTube content. And then being in just very specific meetings that I think I can help and I want to be in. Yeah. People need to hear that, man, because people text me like, yo, let's set up a call. I'm like, for what? Just text me. Like, I don't know why people hop on calls all day. There, if most tech workers, y'all know what I'm saying. Like, most tech workers or, or people, they're on, a, like, Zoom calls at a desk all day long. I don't get it, though. I don't know what we do. What do we actually do? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I'm, it's been interesting. A lot of the, the evolution of work is changing a lot from, like, being in office to remote, a lot of meetings now are doing async, so you record like a Loom video, yeah. and you have a document, and you just leave comments on the document. I like that. There's very few hour-long calls where I'll end, and I'll be like, wow, that was worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is interesting to then reflect back. Like, I had a meeting last week uh, with this woman who's amazing, and she's helping coordinate a lot of the, the Million Dollar Week in book promotion with AppSumo. Mm -hmm. And this is like one of the most powerful things you can do in, in relationships, but specifically in business, is after the meeting, I messaged her directly and I said, that meeting, I was uh, being positive. I was like, hey, thank you for setting up that meeting. Thank yeah. you for coordinating. What was the point? <laughs> <laughs> like, what we just do for an hour? Yeah. But I said it nicely and I was like, here's, ex here's what I'd prefer and recommend that we can do in our next meeting. I love, can I give you this feedback? And she's like, please. Gave her the feedback and she's like, yeah, you're right. Thank you. So as we get into future meetings, just keep improving them. Either cut them or make the meeting something that is more effective. Yeah. That is tough. Like my girlfriend has two jobs. I hope she doesn't mind me calling her out on it, which I hella respect <laughs> yeah. and admire. But she's definitely in meetings where there's like these yappers. And it's a lot harder, depending on your company culture, uh, to tell someone to shut up or be yeah. like, hey, I don't want to show up here. Um, but that also is a good incentive if you don't like that to make a change. What's your leadership style with the company? You seem pr pretty direct, pretty straightforward. <laughs> you like that with the business? Um, what is my – I think – how we perceive ourselves is very different than the experience of ourselves. Right, right. I don't micromanage. I lead by <laughs> trust. I lead by optimism. And then you talk to people at AppSumo.com or, or the YouTube team, like, dude, this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's always interesting to ask people what they, they think of you and, and find out versus what we think of ourselves. That's true. And what do I think of my leadership style? I, you know, we have, we have company uh, values, company culture at AppSumo. 
I like to think it's aligned to how I am as a leader. One of them is hire adults. Okay. So, so number one, I just want to hire people that, that I don't need to babysit. They, they, they aren't victims. They have power in the sense that they take initiative in themselves. So you don't like the younger teenagers, young 20s? <laughs> as I've gotten older, this is counterintuitive for me because I'm shocked at how much it changed. I like people with families. Okay. I like moms. I love dads. They're stable. Right. They show up. They do the actual work. They come back on time. Uh, I, there's also younger, younger people and older people. Um, it's not to say one, but I think when I was younger working at Facebook, I was one of the first people. I remember seeing some of these older people living at five and being like, you are so lazy. Mm. But they were just actually doing work. I was <laughs> around like half the day and then like it was like an hour of like yeah. actual work. Um, what I do, like I actually really, and I think some of my success, if not most of it, is finding kind of up and, up and coming talent and just being around it. Mm. Like you can take the YouTube channel without the team and it's mostly 25 year olds, it would not be at a million subs. It'd probably be at 50,000 subs. And I'd keep doing it because I like making content. I've been doing it for a long time. Mm. Uh, but Jeremy Marie, uh, he was doing Instagram for someone else. He came on and he's just so, they have so much heart and so much hunger. And I think those are great people to be inspired by. And it's great that they have these fresh eyes. Yeah. Um, there's potentially higher turnover, but it was awesome having him or this guy, Josh, who does our shorts out of LA. I know Josh, Joshua Dones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, this is like a 25 year old. Josh quit one day just unexpectedly. Like, oh, he that's quit? A 20, yeah, and then he came back three weeks later. <laughs> like, that's a 20... And I, I do... I love Josh, but it's also, like, if you're trying to create... And the internet and business and life is a, such a small world. Small. It is so small. Yeah. You, I think you notice that. You're like, I'm going to see you again. For wow, sure. Wow, that sounds all vengeful. I will, Josh. <laughs> oh, at a certain no, level, it's true, It's though. small, and it's like... But you also have to learn. I remember in college, uh, a dean... I went, I, went to, I went to UC Berkeley, and... Uh, this guy who was a dean in the school I was at did something. So I wrote this this letter and I was like, I can't believe you did this. I did da 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 Wrote all this stuff. You snitched on someone? It was what is it? <laughs> snitches? No. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Was, there's a rapper named. Snitch. Okay. Anyways, so I send this letter, but like to the entire school, right? Okay. It was in the, it was in the undergraduate business school. So I send this letter, and he replies to me. He's like, Hey, next time you want to send that, totally cool. Just give it a day. Hmm. And that's the message we can all do. Like before we send these, like, like even to that girl who I told you in a meeting who's amazing, I normally would have said something kind of a little bit more like criticizing, but it's like no one gets excited when they're criticized. Right. No one, you ask the leadership style, no one's excited if you don't have a vision that's exciting about what you're going to go do. Like they want to be adults. They want to be empowered to have cool stuff and do great things. Most people do. Mm -hmm. And that was just a cool lesson of pausing and not sending that kind of emotional thing. And then really thinking, is this how I want to behave? That's something mm -hmm. I've worked on even to this day. And so... With Josh, it's a 25-year-old lesson that he's going to learn <laughs> that now, instead of just kind of quitting unexpectedly, it's like, hey, I'm not, here's what I'm not happy about. Can we actually solve it? Right. Can we address maybe it's the money or maybe it's how you're treating me or maybe it's something else? Yeah, I think a lot of millennials struggle with communication. Yeah, and that, the only way you learn that is practice. You yeah. take time and give yourself some patience and be like, hey, I sent some <laughs> or if someone's not responding to you, ask them like, hey, you don't seem like you like me or you don't seem <laughs> like you. No, you don't. You, for real, you just say, hey, can, a lot of times when I'm doing, I've done sales most of my life. And we're all selling in some way or asking yeah. in some way. So you just ask people like, hey, you didn't like me. And this doesn't really work well on dating apps. But <laughs> yeah, hey, you didn't like me or you didn't buy this or you don't want to come to my show. or you, you Like, why? Can mm. you teach me? Can I just want to learn? That is one of the most powerful questions you can ask anyone. Interesting. And you could do that as well when people do buy your stuff. Yeah. Like someone buys a product of yours. They buy your book. They buy your course. They watch your video. What'd you like about it? I liked it because of this. Huh? Maybe I'll figure out how to do more of that. Wow. So you're willing to adjust. Like, oh, if someone doesn't like you, you'll take their feedback and change. Yeah, one of our values is feedback is a gift. And 
that is something I learned from Keith Ferrazzi. He's like, he wrote this book uh, about marketing and, and networking called Never Eat Alone. It's a phenomenal book. And feedback is really a gift. And it's really your decision to then make a choice with it. Mm. Right? It's your decision whether you're like, this person's a dummy, I don't care. Or I actually think there's ways I can be improving. And for instance, uh, a few days ago in Slack, um, Sean, who is our head of revenue at AppSumo, he's like 27-year-old guy, 28 now. Mm. He started as our junior sales guy. And this is part of AppSumo culture. Uh, which is like root for the underdog. From junior sales, he now runs about $80 million business. <laughs> yeah. And I sent him a message and I said, hey, this thing, you said this, but it seemed like this. Um, what's going on? And then he gave me, he's like, do you mind if I give you feedback? Gave me feedback about how I presented to him. And normally what we all do is we go in like defense mode. Yeah. Like, no, that's not true, dude. You know, that's what we all do. All the I don't time. know if it's bad voice, by the way. <laughs> 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 but it's, it's a little bit of defensiveness. Yeah. And so it was like, first thing you always say when someone gives you feedback is thank you. And it, I do think you need to ask for it. I don't like people giving me advice without me kind of asking sometimes. Okay. Yeah. You ever notice people, this, people all the time do like, yeah. hey, you want advice about your show? Or you want advice? It's like, no, I didn't ask you. <laughs> right? So I do think you need to be mindful when you're giving advice, you need to ask. Yeah, yeah. But then secondly, say thank you if you ask for it and then make the decision if you want to be improving. He was right. Like the way I presented it uh, could be improved. Okay. Just how I, I asked him the question. Yeah. Walk me through the, the goals and the purpose of the book. I just saw Hormozy on a show talk about how his book is doing a million dollars a month, which was insane to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, the book, the book is, it's an interesting thing, man, for people who ever want to write books. Um, I don't know if I would discourage it. There's a lot of other ways of getting rich. It's definitely not to make money. Uh, it's more something I've always wanted to do. Mm. And I always wish there was a book out there that that I had, that it was like, because I was dreaming of being rich. Sounds like that was similar to you. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's like, how do you do it? You read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and he's like, <laughs> buy real estate. Which right? That's not a great way to get rich, in my opinion. And then you go and watch YouTube, and it's like, hey, like, here's how you get rich. Do dropshipping or affiliate, or maybe <laughs> try to create a content Drop. creator. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. And then maybe you find some good content. Maybe you see the businesses and companies I've worked at, and you want to copy me. What was fascinating, though, and I didn't have this back then, it was just like, why aren't people doing it? Even if there's, it's kind of clear what you could do. And there was a lot of fears in it yeah. as, of, as I've done my own businesses and I've seen other people do it. And so I wanted to have a book that I could have for myself. And that if people are like, I want to get a business going, I don't want to spend time, don't want to spend money. I'm like, here's the book you need to have for that. And I so love that. It's been, it's been a journey of you know, my own, for all of us, we all have a hero in us. Yeah. We all have courage in us. And for me, it's definitely been a, a journey of like, can I actually do this? Can I help other people? Can I, I've done it myself, but now can I make sure I'm able to prove it and do it for others. Yeah. And your journey is so realistic. Some people coach about getting rich in like a year, but your story <laughs> like took me 10, 12 years. So I'm 41. I became a millionaire at 30 and then I became, I'd say rich at like maybe 38, 37. Yeah. Like actual rich. And then there's wealthy. Wealthy is like actual hundred dollars, hundred million dollar cash. Like right. Not people who Liquid. talk about it or pretend about it, and you can't see any of their businesses, which I, I'd say everyone should check. <laughs> it's like going to the gym, and the guy's like, I'm the best trainer ever, I'm so, and then and you see me, it's like fat. <laughs> but he talks about it, and you're just like, okay, but you're, you're not fit. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're a good coach, which is a whole different discussion. And so for me, it was, it's been a journey, right? And I've, I think we all have to, we can, we can learn from different people, and people want to learn from me. It's like, worked in tech, but then I was like, I don't want to be in Silicon Valley, even though I worked for all, and I worked around the elite people. Mm. I want to have a nice life. I want to live in Spain half the year, which I do. Nice. Or move to Texas, which I did uh, almost 15 years ago. Wow. And balance, balance actually making money, doing things I really want, and enjoying life. Like, yeah. I don't want to just work all this time American style to have money that I'm not even enjoying. Yeah. Did you notice that with some of the billionaires you interviewed? They had, like, no life, social life? Oh, man. This morning I got out of bed, 
And I was just like, I don't want to rag on the billionaires because I appreciate them chatting with me. And it's so cool. Yeah. It's so amazing that you get to meet them. There's only 3,000 in the world. Wow. Which is insane when you think about it. Yeah. It's hard to fake being a billionaire. Like, you don't see people on YouTube like, I'm a billionaire. It's like, dude, you're definitely not. Yeah, you, yeah, you can't fake that. <laughs> you can fake like 10 million or 100 million, I guess, on YouTube. But uh, a billion is a different number. Yeah. And, and and let me be clear. I've never wanted to be a billionaire. People are like, you want to be a billionaire? You want to sell your company? I'm like, no, dude. I'm already rich, and this is great. I have, <laughs> I have enough. Yeah. So I don't have some arbitrary goal to make more for no reason. And it has been really fascinating interviewing billionaires to think about what do what can I learn for myself and share with others that how I want to live my own life. Yeah. And so John Paul DeJoria is probably one of my favorites. Uh, I felt really blessed. I, one of the, the crazy parts of him is just I met him on the street. Really? Didn't have some like crazy. The thing I, I try to share with others is like there's nothing exclusive. There's no exclusive club of getting rich. Mm. There are exclusive clubs, definitely. But to get rich is available to worldwide people everywhere for free. And I just saw him on a street and I thought it was him. And I did vision one day I would get a chat with him. So I had a dream of him. Wow. And I thought it was him on the street. I was in spandex <laughs> on a bicycle. And I was like, I got to go see if it's him because I, I I don't know if I'll get this chance Where was this? again. This is in West Lake Hills, Austin. Okay. So I biked back three miles, and then I searched the streets to try to find him. It was and it was him, and I, I like went up and I was like, "What's up, man? I I love your stuff. I'm like a huge fan of all the things you create. Uh, can I get a photo with you?" He's like, "Sure." He was with his wife and his uh, two other friends. I was like, "I'd love to interview you for my show mm. if you if you if you wouldn't mind." And he's like, "Sure. Here's here's my assistant's email." Like, I don't think he uses a computer. Really? I don't think he uses a computer. That's impressive. And so I caught, I gave me the assistant's number. I was like, "Wow, this is so crazy!" Like, I at least took a chance. Yeah. And I, the the book is. The dedication of Million Dollar Weekend is dedicated to everyone willing to take a chance on themselves. Mm. And it was just taking a chance, like, I don't know if it's going to be him, but, you know, three miles, what's the, what's the downside small, upside is one of the best videos that we had and got to learn a lot and got to inspire others. And so the the funny part about it, and I'll share the billionaire part, was I called his assistant the next day because I'm like, you know, I'm like, let's go. You know, yeah. like I finally got someone else. <laughs> Patron Tequila sold for three and a half billion. Paul Mitchell Hair Care, billion dollar business. Massive. Massive. Everyone knows these business, these brands. And uh, called the system next day, didn't answer. <laughs> then I emailed her, no answer. And then I <laughs> followed up with her for give or take a year every wow. week. Every week. Every week for a year. That's yeah, persistence. And it, yeah, and so you know persistence and and rejection really. And this is something I've learned from Million Dollar Weekend and seeing people try to start businesses. Like rejection is a test if you really want something. And I wanted John Paul DeJoria. Mm. And you also had to do it in a non-creepy, annoying way. Like, right. I've known you for a while, and, and you were always been nice. Like, yo, I'm going to be in Vegas. Do you think you want to come out? And you've stayed, we've kept in touch. And that was interesting with him in, in doing it in a non-annoying way. And I asked his assistant in person, because she called me finally uh, in a Friday. It was December of last year. Calls me Friday. She's like, 8 a.m. Monday morning. Can you be here? Mm. I was like, yeah. Got it. And I asked her in person. I videotaped it. I have my phone. I was like... Did I bug you? Did I bug you? And this is what we think we're doing when we're selling, which yeah, is yeah. a lot of what business is. It's asking and selling what you think might be good for. And I said, did I bug you? I'm really sorry if I did. She's like, no, I loved it. I love that you were excited. Wow. I love that you stayed interested to make sure you wanted to make this happen. Because I was calling and emailing. I wrote a physical letter. Yeah, because we, we kind of knew where he lived. So I found the address. I wrote a letter. And you can do it in a nice way. That makes And what's in it for that other person? One of my favorite acronyms is WIFT. What's in it for them? And I know he's really into charity. Right. So I was like, hey, all the proceeds of the video are going to go to charity. So Sylvie on our team is helping donate the, I think it's like 7,000 bucks to charity. Nice. And he, it's, uh, and so that he's a billionaire. So let, that's even getting there is just a story for all of us to think about like, what do I really want? How much am I really staying after it? And if I get rejected, okay, how do I keep going? Yeah. With him, I think in terms of billionaire stuff, one, 
most of them get rich off just one thing. Like, this is the craziest part about business that I don't think people realize. Like, Mark Zuckerberg just created Facebook. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you just had one hit, and you just need one hit to get super rich. Yeah. Right? Like, I created a lot, but but people don't realize, like, you have to swing a few times, maybe a lot of times, to finally get that one hit. Absolutely. And so for me, I swung so many times, like, collegeup.org, NinjaCard, don't even go to these sites, betterpay.com, <laughs> ninjacard.com, uh, rewardlevel.com, softwaretaco.com. Like, just so many different things. .com. What? I still own that one. And um, so many different <laughs> swings. If you were going to go, you can go. I own it. Um, and then eventually, AppSumo just, like, instantly worked. And we, we maybe get into that. But with him, it was like, I'm going to find one product that I just think is the best in the class. Mm. And so for him, he had a hair care. He found it. And he's like, there's nothing else like this. And so that was one thing that would be interesting. It's like, what's the product that you really, really believe in? Or one business. Maybe it's creating content. Maybe it is real estate, which I don't like. Or it could be e-commerce, it could be a service business, it could be whatever. Just find one thing yeah. and stick with that. Second thing that he was really big on was reordering. Reordering. I thought this was such an interesting kind of take, which is, are you selling something that people need over and over again? Ah. And so one of my, the stupidest examples uh, that, that I think about is like pool cleaning. Like right. if I don't clean my pool or if I don't do my lawn care, like it dies. That's true. And so I have a $200 a month bill for my pool. That's $2,400 a year times. Like you can literally go on Google Maps, see how many pools there are in Austin. And you can see how many pools. Like it's a pretty good business. And that's a reordered business. That's true. The margins are high too because it's just labor. Actually, my girlfriend's idea, she wants to do bikini pool cleaners. So I was like, that's it. I know because she likes cleaning pools. I would do well in Vegas. That would do well a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, baby, you're not cleaning other people's pools in a bikini, but you can do yeah. it here enough for I'll pay you. And um, so being in the reorder business is really interesting. And I think the two other things from him specifically uh, that were, were powerful, one was sales. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm really good at sales. And if you go watch the video on YouTube, you'll see what he did. He's like, no, take off your hat. I'm bald. Right? And he's like, I, I, don't, I can't even buy really. Someone asked me once, like, do you use conditioner? Which I do. <laughs> but it's like, why? You don't have hair. And I was like, I, I don't know. I, just, I wanted to be a soft bald head. And he like had this hair product. And instead of telling me about it, he's like, all right, put out your hands. Yeah. Rub it on your head. How's your head feeling? I'm like, I guess good. Literally went home that night, bought it for my girlfriend. Mm. And she's got great hair. And so how do you get better at asking, which is one of the, the core things in, in success of entrepreneurship, which is getting better at how do I approach someone and say, hey, I think this product's going to be great for you. Hey, yeah, and it, it applies in everything in life. Hey, I want a raise, which I've seen people go through Million Dollar Weekend and get a raise. And so it was really cool that he's like, dude, if you can get better at sales, so find a product you like and just get better at practicing it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this big. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not something that anyone's necessarily born with. Some people, yes, maybe a little more extroverted. But if you can get better at selling, even via email, even via social media, maybe mm-hmm. it's via text, maybe it's via DMs, maybe it is on the phone, maybe it is in person through a video like when I go on the streets. It is something that we're afraid of, but you can practice and get better at. And I like that it was such for him. Like, he's like, I'm a master salesman. Yeah. And that's not something you're thinking a billionaire, right? You're thinking, oh, they have some genius, extraordinary ability. And no, they're they're pretty ordinary, but they found something and stuck with it for a very long period of time. Right. And I'd say the last thing with him is he actually seemed content. Hmm. A lot of these other billionaires, and I'm so lucky to meet a lot of them, I feel like they focus so much on work at times, which they should do whatever they think they want to do in their lives. But I ask them, do you regret it? And they're like, yeah, I probably wish I had more time with my family. Yeah. And I wish I was a little bit more probably generous in, in general versus just waiting till the end. And so he seems very content of like riding motorcycles, doing charity. Like when he sold Patroni, he wrote a $50 million check that day. 
And I was like, okay, that's he's genuine. To charity? Yeah. Wow. Well, that that's day. And he just seemed more kind about himself and kind to others. And that was just such a powerful message that really inspired me. I was like, all right, we're donating money for to his charity uh, after the video. And how can I be more kind even in general to myself and as well to other people? And I, I love that he had that approach in life. Yeah. I was listening to you on Ryan Moran's podcast. Oh, yeah. And it uh, seems like you went on a bit of a spiritual awakening. <laughs> I'd love to dive more into that and what prompted that. Yeah, there's been... I think I was just, I was, you know, all of us go through depression. I don't know if everyone goes. There's definitely happy people out there. But I, I've gone definitely through, you know, my dad died. It sounded like something like yours. And um, that set me off for a long time. Getting fired early on, which was a blessing, also set me off on just like, I'm not worthy. Yeah. I'm not as good as these other people. And even this day, I'm like, dude, I suck at being a CEO. Mm. Um, and so there's just a lot of these negative self-talks, uh, a lot of frustration. Like, why am I not rich? These other people are, are rich. I'm not yet. Right. I'm living on floors which is what I was doing in my 20s. Um, they're pretty nice floors. To be you know, when someone says it on floor, it's like, was it clean? Yeah. I mean, there was heat in the house, but it was on a floor. And um, yeah, I think just, just really bitter and kind of annoyed with a lot of things that it wasn't working my way. Hmm. And the reality in most of our situations is that the same situation, if you can just kind of try to change your perspective. Yeah. Like, maybe life is actually better than I realize. If you really just zoom out far enough in your life, like with everything going on with you, um, the dad things are, are tough, and that, that's a whole separate discussion. But if you zoom out in our lives, like, okay, my, my dad died, your dad died, that's really <laughs> But, like, I've got friends. I'm still pretty healthy. I, I can call, Now you're calling your mom every day, which is awesome. Yeah. I, my mom calls me every day, which is, you know, as a Jewish mother, they call a lot. <laughs> you know, that's what they do. And um, if we zoom out far enough, life is great. Yeah. But it, it, it doesn't necessarily always feel that in the moment. And I, I think with different parts of our life, take your relationship with yourself, your partner, girl or boy, whatever, and then your work is just kind of seeing like, okay, is it actually where I want it to be? Mm. And I think I was depressed because I was in a relationship where I was like, this is, is it time? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> you have to take the beat out? <laughs> I don't know if I can say this, <laughs> but we're just going to go all the way. Um, you know, yeah. just kind of looking at these different parts of your life and with the girlfriend, we all have this voice in our head telling us the truth. Yeah that we just don't want to listen to because it's hard. Wow, that's deep. You know what I'm saying though? It's yeah. like, you, you're like, I know, I like at Intel, I was like, I know I hate this job. Our gut instinct is Yeah, strong. the guts are really, really something that the more we can just diet, tap in, and this is what my therapist says, was like, how do you tap into your feelings? Yeah. It's like tapping not what you're thinking. Like what you're thinking is one thing, but how do you actually really feel about it? And I'm dating um, a Latina and I, I love her, she's amazing, but she's always about the feelings. She's like, do you, how do you feel about this? I'm like. I don't know. I think I feel like this. Like, you, know, you don't think about feeling; you just feel it. Yeah, yeah. My my fiance is Latina, so that's so relatable. Yeah, they're they're amazing. I, I love her. Uh, so coming back to that, it's like looking at these different things. And so with my fiance, we are engaged because I think most of us, like eighty percent, you know, this eighty twenty thing. I think most people live an eighty percent life, which is like not the life they want. Yeah, for and sure. And twenty percent are like, this is actually maybe twenty percent are like, I think I actually want to do it differently. Maybe I don't want to be engaged. I don't actually care if I get married. Oh, that's okay. I don't really want to work at a cubicle job. I didn't even want to work at these cool startups. Like I was at Facebook and Mint.com, which are super popular companies. And I was, I was like, I don't really want that. I want to be my own boss. And I don't care if I make a lot of money, but I want to live my own life. Mm. And over time, it was like, all right, I broke up my engagement, wow. which was really tough. That took two years. And then I went to a lot of therapy. And that's something that uh, is accessible yeah. for everyone. There's like betterhelp.com or I go to a therapist and I've gone to therapy like 15 years. How long? Yeah, you think I'd be better. You know? like, <laughs> you're like, dude, how's he still so? <laughs> and I, I don't feel 
anymore. Okay. Um, but it was going to, th uh, so with the relationship, it was breaking up. It was facing the thing I was afraid of, and I was afraid of being alone. Yeah. So when I was growing up as a kid, my dad would leave us alone yeah. um, for weekends, and he would go to work. You were an only child? I was with my brother. I don't know how he was, dude. I don't know where he was. <laughs> okay. But I would just be home alone, my dad would go working, and I actually think he went off and did <laughs> now in retrospect. But I would just be alone, and I would just be, like, so anxious waiting to, for someone to come home to me. And I think as I got older, I just, like, had this fear of just being alone. Right. And that's something that, like, okay, let's, let's, th through therapy and then through being at my house, it's just like, let's just sit with being alone. And that was tough, man. And mm -hmm. so some of these hard things, um, I, I, I believe in life, if you face some of the harder things, you start realizing that you have more capabilities than you realize. And so with Ryan Moran, what you were asking about these different aspects, we talked about the relationship, maybe at work. I wasn't doing work that was, I really wanted to do for a long time. And I was like, okay, what do I really want to do? And it was like, I like doing software deals. Mm. I really like, I like promoting and I like good prices. Right. It's like, <laughs> I could have a job doing that. Like, and then I get to talk about it with people like you and on YouTube. Like, this is amazing. Uh, and so just kind of looking through your life and making this evaluation and maybe asking for feedback, texting someone right now. Hey, mom. Hey, friends. Hey, someone that'll tell you the real shit. Like, I have my buddy Neville Medora from copywritingcourse.com. I still remember this dinner. This is probably about five years ago. We're having dinner at Wu Chow in Austin. And he sits me down and we're, we're having, about to get some dumplings. And I was like, dude, it's because I'm Shaolin Bao, like all this good stuff. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah, super good. And he's like, no, I just got to tell you, man, you're like so unimpressive lately. He said that to you? Yeah. Well, yeah, I never forgot it. And I was like, dude, aren't you my best friend? He's like, yeah, I am your best friend. And I just don't know why you're not applying yourself in the ways that you, I think you can if that's what you want. And I was like, thank you for that feedback, coming back on it. Yeah. And it really made me reflect on like how I'm really acting in these different areas, mm. professionally, as well as in my relationship, as well as with myself. And it wasn't, you know, a lot of a lot of things in life as I've gotten older and 40, it's like we expect the, the thing to be immediate. Yeah. We expect the money to be immediate, the relationship to be immediate, the feeling good about ourselves to be immediate. If we can be like, maybe it will happen optimistically, but it might take a little bit of time. You're like, oh, maybe it will happen. And then just having a little being willing to do a little bit of things each day to get to that place. Mm. So with the Ryan Moran thing, I did ayahuasca, I've gone to therapy, I've done like I did went to David Data's workshop. That What's was up? that was weird. The class. It was a weekend workshop, but, and we can chat about that. All these things, I just wasn't feeling good and about myself. And the ayahuasca was another experience of that where I was like, I don't like my work. I don't like my girlfriend. And I needed to go through something hard to realize I can make hard decisions. Mm. And there's a book, it's, it's actually a women's book called uh, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And she has a line in this book that I love. It's like, we can do hard things. And I, I like kind of comes across my mind, like even... We're doing this this podcast book tour at Million Dollar Weekend. It's like full day, all day. Yesterday we started at seven. We finished at one a.m. And it's like, I got up this morning, got in the shower, cold. Isaac was watching me. Oh, he likes doing that. It's part of like the perks at work. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I I just thought to myself like, dude, yeah, you can do hard things. You can do this. And not even that. This could be fun for you. Like you got to go talk with Sean. You go to other people. You're in Vegas. Like it can be fun. And you gotta come back to these. You know, from ayahuasca, which was fucking intense. It was super intense. The finish of it, and after all these things, like, probably the biggest takeaway was, like, how challenging it felt. Like, you know, being in this environment, right. lost, losing my mind, running away, crying all the time at this experience, and then realizing, like, wow, it was really hard, but I can go through it. I can do it. What mm. else can I do? Yeah. And I think that's a journey for all of us. It's available for all of us, whether it's you don't like your job, you don't like where you live, you don't like your work, whatever that is. You know, and how do we start working through these things? Like, even losing your father, same thing, you know, like doesn't happen overnight and it's it should feel a little strange because it's good you're feeling alive yeah
but it still sucks, man. It's terrible. It really is. Yeah, I felt like I could have been there more for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah, when I moved away, I barely called him, dude. Because we're so wrapped up in our lives, you know? We are. Yeah. We are. What, what would you tell him? Oh, that's tough. So I don't know if you're into this stuff, but I'm into, like, the spirituality things, and yeah. I've actually been able to get in touch with him through, yeah. like, psychics. Yeah. And uh, we had some really good closure, and, like, I understood where he was coming from. And I just told him I loved him. I wish I could hug you again. I remember when I moved to L.A. from Jersey, because we grew up in Jersey, he gave me a hug, and that was the first time we ever hugged, and we both were crying. He just didn't know how to show it, because he had a really rough past. He got physically abused by his father. Mm. So, um, yeah, he was kind of distant like your dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. A lot of trauma. It is, man. And it takes time. It's not like, dude, I go to therapy. Dr. Resnick, this like old Jewish guy. Noah, Noah, it's your father. Just why? Why did he? What happened? What happened as a child? I'm like, dude, he passed away 14 years ago. Can I get past it? It's like, no, you can't, and that's okay. And it takes time for for some of the healing. And there's different ways that all of us heal. Yeah. Maybe you try ayahuasca, it doesn't work. Maybe listen to a podcast that works. The David did a workshop, didn't work at all. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> but just different things that that people can go out there and try. I wasn't feeling for a year. Oh, okay. And then it, it was because I wasn't, like, dating attractive women. Oh, so. <laughs> but I go to this workshop. David Data wrote our, The Way of the Superior Man. It was out in L.A. And I remember asking him, like, in front of everyone. I was like, David, I'm not a I don't know. My, my pee-pee's not getting hard. That's what I call it. Oh, there's people there watching? Yeah, it was 12 men, 12 women. Wow. And I don't know if he still does these. But the book I'd recommend, depending where you're at in life, like, if you want to feel more masculine, go read it. I read it again recently, and I, I didn't care for it. <laughs> But I asked him, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling right. my pee-pee's not working, like, this is kind of a strange thing, like, and he, he looks at me, and he goes, he's like, I'm not a doctor, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, that was pretty discouraging. Yeah. But there's a lot of interesting um, experiences and, and takeaways from that kind of workshop. Like, I remember there's me and this old dude standing up, yeah. and he asks all the women in the audience, he goes, who do you want to have Wow. That's awesome. And I was like, obviously me, like, I'm young, I'm fresh. And there's like this old stodgy looking dude next to me and like half would wanted to hook up with me and half were going to him. Wow. And I was like, that's really fascinating. What's going on there? And then he asked him, he's like, what, how come you don't have that guy? And they're like, oh, he's standing still. Mm. He knows who he is. And now as I've gotten older, I feel more like that. But at 20, I think I was maybe 27, 28 at the time, maybe 30. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I'm kind of shifting and like, right. You know, a little it's bit not anxious. displaying confidence. Exactly. And that you can't fake that. That's just something like I was, I think 60 years old and it, it took time for him to get to that place. Yeah. He knows his stuff. Were you super shy introverted growing up? No. Oh no. No, no. Okay. I've always been really out there. Like we were, we were talking this morning. I wanted to be, I wanted to be rich. I definitely yeah. wanted to be rich and I wanted to be president. So you never see photos of me with like drinking or, or anything like that. Until I realized like that sucks. Like being in politicians, the government are total, total waste. Yeah. So now I don't mind it. Oh, you uh, wanted to be the president of the country? I thought it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, wow. I like leading. I always was the person, and we all have our, our own personalities, and it's like, how do you embrace it? Like, some people like being in front of the camera. Some people like Lana, like being behind the camera. And so right. it's kind of noticing what you are what you get excited to do and how do you lean into that. I yeah. used to think, I used to think when I was getting fired from all these jobs that I was like, dude, can I ever get a job? And it's like, no, you're not supposed to have a job. <laughs> and then I would start all these companies and they would get going and I was like, oh, I guess, and then I'd feel guilty that I don't want to keep running them. It's like, 
no, why don't you just embrace you like starting businesses? And literally, you wrote a book now, the book on starting businesses that anyone can do. Yeah. And it's kind of identifying some of the things that, that we're good at and embracing it. So as a kid, it was like, I liked leading. I liked being vocal. I liked coordinating groups. Uh, I liked attention and kind of what my, my work is today. That's cool. So you were a troublemaker in school. Um, I think with Jewish mothers, you're not really a, like troublemaker, you know. It's like I got a B plus. You know, like <laughs> she's like you, you're crazy out there. You know I'm an Eagle Scout. Yeah. Um, now I got caught. I was smoking cigarettes in school. That was that was some of the bad stuff. And, okay. But no, I wasn't much of a troublemaker. My mom had they're pretty lenient. They're like as long as you get good grades and don't smoke cigarettes. Yeah. That was their and then I smoked cigarettes. Uh, <laughs> the one were, rule you broke. Yeah, they were willing to let us like dress poorly, which we I dressed poorly pretty much until a few years ago. I think I dress well now. Um, they were they were they were strict but lenient in certain areas. Yeah, do you hang around with a lot of Jewish people still? Do I hang around? Not as much. When I grew up in the Bay Area, I had a lot of Asian friends. Asian. I'm like super comfortable around Asians. Okay. Like I only dated Asian women. This is my first non-Asian. Wow. Ever. Interesting. Ever. Yeah, I love you like it. those Asians. It sounds it sounds creepier when you say it out loud. Like that. <laughs> it does. No, my, no dad, I, <laughs> my dad only dated Asians, so. Yeah, I saw it. I saw dad, that side dude, of him. He's like, dude, he's my spirit animal. <laughs> no, and then I, um, you know, it, it wasn't working out. And so, you know, probably a life lesson around that. It was, you know, if something's not working out, maybe you got to try something different. Yeah. And so that dating Asian women was great and, and try something else. But yeah, I grew up around a lot of Asians in the Bay Area. Uh, and then as I moved to Texas, I've never really been around white people, mm. right? Or, or non-Asians or non-Indians. I was like, this is kind of cool. And, you know, then you, you just meet different types of people. Out I like there. that. I, I just went to the rodeo last week in Vegas. Did you? Yeah, it was interesting. Have you been? <laughs> Not this one. I've been once in Texas. It's interesting, man. I feel a little bad for those those cows they are wrangling up with the rope, but it was yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's Texas is a, it's an interesting place. It's like, a it, vibe, yeah. It is a you vibe. You ever uh, run into Rogan out there? I haven't run into Rogan. He's next door to John Paul DeJoria, so I know, his, I know where he lives. Nice. Um, but he had like a security truck outside when I went to uh, to do that interview with John Paul DeJoria. Oh yeah, um, I think I'll run into him though. I have a feeling. Yeah, I have. Uh, I think it's nice. It. Yeah, I do think it's you know, I, when I think it manifests sometimes, I'm like, I'm gonna look at the mirror and say I'm rich. It's like, no, you're still poor. <laughs> like it doesn't matter how many times you say it. Yeah. But I think it's nice to have very clear direction. Yeah. About what you're excited about doing, maybe putting on the calendar, or about where you're excited about going. And so yeah, we do have a list of different people. That we'd love to, I'd love to feature and be able to connect and share their stories. Yeah, so, I have, I have that too. Yeah, I'm crossing them off week by week. Yeah, you were on there, man. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Thank you, man. And it's um, the timing and being ready and, and sticking with these things. And so like Dave Portnoy, that's like probably top of my list. He's on mine too. Yeah, Dave Portnoy just seems, and it's you stay at it, you keep swinging, and a lot of times people want to build a bonfire, but it's like you don't start a bonfire with a match. Yeah, right. You start a little kindle. You like, work your way up. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm having KFC on first, and I'm gonna work my way up to Dave. Dude, uh, that's yeah. my strategy with these bigger guests. You get Dave, I'll ask you, man. I'll be like, yo, Sean. Yeah, exactly. Right and we're at a cool point now because we're one degree away from anyone in the country, which is crazy that's if you think about point. it. That's an interesting point, yeah. Because yeah. like, a lot of my guests have been on Rogan. A lot of my guests uh, have relationships with Trump, Elon. Like, We're literally one degree away from anyone yeah. we want. Isn't that crazy? It is interesting how accessible everyone is. I think that's the, the kind of fascinating part where like, if you think back 30 years, you'd have to write a mail letter, like a mail letter, like fan club at Tom Cruise, yeah. you know, like Beverly Hills to the garbage. Yeah. Uh, I think what's also fascinating is how many of the people you want to, you might want to interview, at least for me, it's not the ones I think are like the most popular, right? Like a lot of my, my most popular content is people you've never even heard of. Same. I noticed that. Yeah. It's never the biggest guest. Yeah. The biggest guest, you, personally, I've heard their story or I don't find it that interesting. And I want to hear the people who are not talked about. Like right now, uh, shout out to Echos, E-C-K-O-S.com. They do uh, urinals, 
Mm-hmm. They make the little pods in urinals. I, I really want to interview oh, this Oh, those? Guy. Yeah, you those peed pink on his, little you pods, peed yeah. on his stuff for sure. You peed on him. And they so must like be I think he's doing really great. I'm like, dude, <laughs> how did you sell to all these places? I think Bucky's. It's just like Bucky's. the world's largest gas stations out in Texas. Okay. Want to interview these kind of people? Like the people that are off the beaten path, but that have some kind of interesting story. Yeah. Like my job is to help promote them and share what they're Same. doing. Same. I feel way more passionate when you give the underdogs a platform. The under that's who our content on YouTube is for. Yeah. I love that, man. Let's close this off on a fun note. You tweeted out that the uh, Cybertruck will be a huge flop. <laughs> Dude, I was on the toilet, okay? I, I mean, half this stuff. So that what's interesting about that, um, I, I was in, I'm in a bunch of text groups with, like, rich people mm. and, like, CEOs and founders. And every single one of them was posting, I got the notification that I can buy the truck, but I'm not going to buy it. And then it just was kind of interesting because, one, in, in starting a business and you want to get going, like you pre-sell. I think pre-sell is one of the best ways to get a yeah, business yeah. going. He pre-sold this truck six years ago, <laughs> right? Six years ago, a lot of things change, right? Yeah, and yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people's interests change and do they need a truck uh, when you live in, you know, Los Angeles? <laughs> and so it was just more of an, an interesting thing where I think I have a Model Y and I love it. I think it's one of the best cars ever. Yeah. I, I love my car. But it just felt like, okay, there's something going on here where there's a lot of hype and promise around it. But I don't believe it's going to be as big of a success as other things. But at least he's swinging. At least it finally happened, and it'll lead to other things. And so I commented, a lot of other people I think are buying it, and it's going to flop. And it, I didn't expect it to go as viral as it did. And mm. it's kind of an interesting takeaway for people creating content in general, not to have adversity or to create uh, controversy just for the sake of it. But you put on, like, an opposite opinion. Like, lately, I'm like, real estate sucks. Yeah. And people are like, what do you mean? I'm like, okay, let me. So just thinking about the message you're putting out there, and what is maybe your own hot take? Have mm. one hot take. Yeah. And so that for me was a hot take that people, you know, maybe a million or half a million kind of views on on that opinion. Yeah, you can with that one. But it's all subjective. I think it'll do decent, but maybe not as much as he thought. Yeah. And, you know, the, the part of business and success in general is like, are you willing to experiment and fail and try and try again? I think I've put out thousands of tweets. Yeah. And very, very few get to even like 10,000. And then it's like 100,000. And a few, I think a few have gone to a million. Wow. But you've only seen those ones. And people don't see all the other work that have happened. So for everyone out there, it's like, how do you get going right now in the, the thing you want to do? Yeah. Like whether that's, whether it's e-commerce, maybe it's a service business, maybe it's content creating, maybe it's being a, a producer, maybe it's a videographer, mm-hmm. maybe it's a pool cleaner, but it's like, you got to get going right now because it doesn't happen immediately, but if you keep swinging and keep trying, eventually it will. Absolutely. No, it's been a blast, man. Anything you're trying to promote or close off with? Check out milliondollarweekend.com if that's been something that people want to change their life in 48 hours, that they've always wanted to start a business and they've been sitting on the sidelines or they tried and it hasn't worked. Uh, there's mindset stuff that no one else is talking about as well as the exact strategies I've used to start business after business after business. Perfect. MillionDollarWeekend.com and also f***.com. <laughs> <laughs> Don't chat that. <laughs> All right. No, you, no. Thanks for watching, guys. See you next time.